Welcome to the Mindful Dating Podcast, where it's all about helping you find healthy, lasting love without losing yourself in the process. Get clear on what you need most from a partner, develop a dating and relationship strategy that works for you, and practice self-leadership in all your relationships. Join your host, Dr. Yael Dubin, on her mission to discover how you can lead from your most authentic, courageous self and create a lifetime of joy and abundance. Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Dating Podcast, or if you're watching this on Facebook, the Mindful Dating video, depending on how you consume this content. I am so happy that you're here with me today. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. And this has been a favorite subject of mine for a really, really long time. So here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're heading into the darkness of winter solstice. We're like the days are getting shorter and shorter. Sun is going down earlier and earlier. And because I observe Shabbat, I really notice it because I now have to have everything done before 5 p.m. So I really, really notice this. And I start to think this time every year about the different ways that we understand darkness and the different ways that we understand activity levels and how those two things go together. So a lot of people, um, and I'm one of them, like my body shifts dramatically during the winter months. I start craving sleep. I start craving solitude. I feel like as soon as the sun goes down, I settle and I want to read a book. I am just really cocoony. And like a lot of other creative type of people, I've noticed that some of my quote unquote darker moods eventually give rise to my most healing and productive moments. So I'm wondering, you know, how those things connect and how those relate and those idea, that's idea of darkness. And for decades now, like I can remember at least as early as 2006, I wrote a sermon on darkness. So for decades, I've been studying the motif of darkness in different cultures and different religious traditions. Um, some of the books that are like right over my head, in fact, have shaped it, China Gallon's um, work and a, a couple of other um, books that are right up there, little little memoirs, um, have really shaped my thinking about darkness. And um, I like, so I'm referring to this and I'm looking at my notes, my talking points for today. So back in 2006, I actually gave a sermon for a Unitarian Universalist Church on darkness and on like really looking at it differently and evaluating it differently and using it differently as a psychological tool and shifting how we relate to the motif. And you're going to have to trust me that it was awesome because I can't find it anymore. I have like many, many um, laptops ago and I had an external hard drive and that also went kaput and that was before the cloud. So it was a long time ago. You're going to have to trust me. It was a really, really good sermon. But I'm going to try to summarize a couple of the key points here because I'm seeing people even on my Facebook feed talk about how they're feeling this withdrawal. And some people interpret this as seasonal affective disorder. They just, they want to sleep a little bit more. They want to carb load and eat, um, eat comfort foods, not feeling super social. And then the holiday season sort of pulls you out of that for a little bit. Um, and one of the things I've learned in my journey is that if I can embrace this, if I can embrace the darkness and the cocoon, there's value there because I think it is China Galland who says, the 
the darkness is what an egg would look like from the inside or what a cocoon would look like from the inside. I really love that notion that when we withdraw into that space, when we sort of embrace that darkness and when we allow and accept that part of ourselves that wants to withdraw a little bit, we can enter a cocoon or an egg. And those are places of great transformation. Those are places where we can go from being one form of being to being another, from being a caterpillar that crawls to being a butterfly that flits around and is beautiful. And this is really different, right? So the stereotypical European or Euro-American version of darkness, we, we tend to think of darkness as a bad thing. We tend to think of withdrawal as depression. We, we tend to really give those a negative valence. And it's not like that everywhere. And that's one of the things that I've learned through studying darkness and through really experiencing some of my own more difficult times is that in other cultures, darkness is viewed completely differently. Um, so darkness in some other cultures is exactly a place of rebirth and growth, just like I was talking about, like China Gallon said, it's what an egg would look like from the inside. I have also met a Native American, um, like a Navajo medicine man, who when he was doing a healing ceremony, he said, we don't need to fear the darkness. We are born from darkness. That's what a baby sees inside the womb. It, it's about darkness. So that is really a very different type of space. And for many years now, I have worked with this concept of darkness and withdrawal. And I think this started after my mom died. My mom died when I was 27 and I was pregnant with my second child. When, you know, hormonally, when I was pregnant with a with my second child or pregnant with any of my children, I was in no position to even watch a McDonald's commercial without crying. So the fact that my mom died during this really just was kind of an overwhelming emotional thing to deal with. And I started exploring how different cultures dealt with death, how different cultures dealt with loss. And over that coming year, towards the winter time, someone really magnificent gave me a gift of a rose bush. And it was um, as as we were close to um, a holiday known as Tubishvat. And she gave me this rose bush and she said, you know, I am giving you this to plant. I am, it's, it's the Jewish holiday of Tubishvat, which is the new year of the trees. And we really honor and celebrate the trees and the fact that um, even though you cannot see the new growth, it is there. And in fact, what I've learned is that the new growth is what pushes the old leaves out in the fall in a deciduous tree. And after those leaves have fallen, and when it looks bleak, when we don't see this activity on the surface, when we don't see the hustle bustle or the beautiful showy flowers or all the sprouting leaves, when we don't see the caterpillar crawling or the butterfly flitting, and all we see is this, is this cocoon, this darkness, growth is happening in the hidden places. Underneath the surface of those deciduous trees, roots are sinking deeper and deeper into the earth. Hidden from view inside an egg, a bunch of goo becomes a chick. And then I order it. <laughs> I know, and I raise it in my backyard. Um, but so these, these motifs are, 
are longstanding for me and I've found a lot of nourishment from them. But here's what it makes, what makes it really kind of crucial for me right now. And I, I don't have like fully formed or final thoughts on this, but this, this year seems to be bringing a lot of darkness and it's, it's not just dark on the outside in terms of um, we're losing sunlight. It's also dark in the sense that we have big, scary, and horrific violence happening in the Middle East. We have big, ugly, and horrific violence happening in Ukraine. And we have big, ugly, horrific violence happening in numerous locations around the globe, probably more than we can even keep track of. And we're more politically polarized than ever. We're still sort of limping along in our recovery from a pandemic. So many people say, wow, the world has changed. People don't know how to treat each other. People don't know how to be in public. There's a lot of ugliness. And I started wondering what it could look like for us to actively and intentionally shift from this perspective of looking at darkness as negative and bad to more intentionally viewing darkness as a place of potential a place of transformation, a place of possibility. And I wondered what we could do or how we might think about it differently. So here are some ideas I had. And I don't have, like I said, I don't have fully formed thoughts on this, but I just want to put these out there in case they like spark something for you that will help you use this period of time. Or if you like so many people I know are just carrying a heavy heart about all the things that are going on, what could it look like? to intentionally shift from looking at darkness as negative to looking at it as generative. Because, you know, what could that do for us? So one thing we could do is we just let go of things that don't serve us. And that is one of the most beautiful lessons I got about even notions about death in other cultures is that death, particularly if we're talking about tarot cards, death doesn't really always mean a bad thing or even literal death. It metaphorically means letting go, shedding what we no longer need. So if we look at darkness or our withdrawal as as a good, potentially generative thing, maybe some of what we're pulling away from are things that don't serve us right now. Maybe they did at one point, but maybe that time has come and we need to let go of it. And maybe as we do that, we liberate a lot of our own energy to intend what does serve us right now, what is nourishing with us for us right now. And possibly we can become patient with this process. We know that infants are not formed instantaneously. Neither are butterflies. It's a process. And it like in a cocoon, and a lot of people already know this, but what I find it like fascinating, inside a cocoon, a caterpillar almost completely dissolves and it becomes basically caterpillar soup inside the cocoon. The only thing that has a little bit of structure are imaginal cells that organize the caterpillar's subsequent development into a butterfly. So it really loses form and structure and it becomes soupy And we might feel that same way. And if we can hold this process, hold space for this process and be patient with it, could we possibly generate a different outcome? Instead of like trying to break open that cocoon too soon or break open an egg before it has a chance to become a chick and we're patient with it, can we give rise to something more beautiful? And I don't know for sure if we can do that in our collective moment, but I am really curious about the possibility. And I 
I wouldn't say I have hope because, and I keep meaning to do like a podcast on this, but it sounds, it might be too depressing. I would love some feedback on this. I really want to do a, a podcast on why we ought to give up hope and how letting go of hope is actually a good thing. Um, if that sounds interesting to you, would you please drop me a line in the comments or drop me a DM or um, send me an email? Because I'd really like to know if, if that's going to be too depressing for people, but I think it's actually a good idea. But at any rate, I do think there's like a, a cycle throughout history of like humanity goes through um, times of flourishing, times of shedding and reorganizing. And the shedding is sometimes followed not by immediate reorganization, but by a lot of freaking chaos. However, I'm really inspired by my teacher, Catherine Keller, to want to bear with the chaos and possibly nurture it um, in a really patient, loving form so we can coax something beautiful from it. And what I do notice, generally speaking, is that resisting the darkness tends to amplify its negative qualities and, and impacts. And that reminds me of a line from the I Ching, um, the, the statement about breakthrough, that evil cannot be overcome by direct confrontation. The only way to combat evil is by making energetic progress toward the good. And it would seem to me that reevaluating our relationship with darkness and learning how to hold space for it and to be nurturing and tend to it and to trust in this process of growth and to trust in life to regenerate rather than get reactive and destructive about things that scare us might be a good idea. And it might be one way to make energetic progress toward the good. And I can't help but wonder if embracing darkness, our own inner darkness, our tendency seasonally to withdraw, our tendency to kind of want to cocoon, and maybe even just acknowledging that certain things going on in the world are right now are dark, scary, overwhelming, and make us sort of want to pull back a little bit. If we could embrace that, could the dark times that we go through be transformed from a tomb to a womb? Could it be a place of rebirth for us and an opportunity for rebirth rather than a death-dealing situation? So I'm going to leave you with a snippet of Rumi that I find inspiring um, in this moment and many others. The moment you accept what troubles you've been given, the door will open. Welcome difficulty as a familiar comrade, joke with torment brought by the friend. Sorrows are the rags of old clothes and jackets that serve to cover and then are taken off. That undressing and the beautiful naked body underneath is the sweetness that comes after grief. The hurt you embrace becomes joy. Um, I hope this has been thought provoking for you all. I can't see comments when I'm posting live, but I will swing by Facebook and check into them. I would welcome any and all conversation on this topic. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for listening to Mindful Dating with your host, Dr. Yael Dubin. If you're ready to shake up your dating routine and transform your approach to relationships, go to BahiraCoaching.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, pick up your free digital copy of Five Keys to Finding Lasting Love, and even schedule a free call with Yael now. Bahira Coaching is on Facebook and Instagram. Stay up to date with our programs, literature, and watch live sessions with Dr. Dubin. 
Links will be included in the show notes. Tune in next week when we'll share more about how you can find lasting love without losing yourself in the process.